Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Axel to my Adam. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm feeling powerful. Yeah, I'm sorry you can't jump, though. And our very own Blaze. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Uh, one of the more powerful actors in this movie. Feeling great. Full of <laughs> and, uh, grace and beauty. Yeah, you are. Uh, you, are you have the speed. You're speed A. So yeah, let's let's get right into it. Uh, I made what I did is the thing is this year we haven't really done. We did our bold prediction show. We did our uh, thing. We we were missing a segment. Do you know what we were missing? Does you guys do you guys know what segment we we're missing that we always do that we that we that we forgot to do this year? That's uh, right. Is it a it's, week by week? It's my it's my favorite Seahawks over unders. Uh, I always make uh, Seahawks over unders, and uh, and I forgot. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make some Seahawks over-unders. These guys know know the score. They know what to do. They're really going to be able to push push and see. Let's see what they think. So I made five offensive and five defensive over-unders. And you guys are just going to take a side. And then I'm going to pretend like we'll get back to this at some point in the year, like like as a contest. But I'll never look at the spreadsheet again. So Sounds good. Like usual. <laughs> nice. So so if one of the Our listeners... Tradition. If one of the listeners wants to, uh, to to hold us accountable for this, these predictions, then you are more than welcome. But uh, yeah, but I also Other, say to you, otherwise, good luck, sir. Holding otherwise, there's there's no accountability. So you can make the takes as hot as you want. All right, start off with this. Russell oh, oh, off offense. Russell Wilson over under passing yards four thousand seven hundred and fifty. Eric, what do you think? I will go under. That's a that's a lofty goal, and I'm. I've already been in the under camp. I got to stay there. Okay. Under. Even with the extra game, that doesn't... Because, okay, one thing to think about, whatever number you have in your head, you should increase it by like 4%, 3% because they're stupid 17th game. Don't forget that. So I thought thought about this, but I think a lot of teams, you are going to see most teams, I think, with a with a bench, with bench time for a couple games. So like you would never pull... Unless you're up 36 points against the Jets, you're never going to pull Russell Wilson and put Geno Smith in. I think that that may become something you see definitely once this year as opposed to, too bad we're not playing the Jets. <laughs> All right. Kevin, that's, a, that's a weird hill to sit on, but I'll, I'm happy oh, no, to I, sit there and rest. I dig it. I mean, I did, I did increase a little bit because I think the offense will be f- faster paced. So there's some kind of, there's going to be some kind of increase baked in there, right? But. Anyway, Kevin, what do you think? So that will be a personal record for Russ. He has topped 4,500 three times in his career, though. Um, but flipping over to uh, to Goof's career, he only had the one 5,400-yard season. Otherwise, kind of he hasn't really cracked the same ceiling either. And typically, Russ is a little lower in his first season in a new offense. So I think... I think he's going to be under, but just slightly under. He's going to probably be like over 4,500 and below 4,750. You don't get any bonus points for saying something like that. All right. Russell was in rushing yards over <laughs> under. Pardon four. me. I won't give any more analysis. I'm just joking. <laughs> I just like, you're like trying to get so granular with it. You're just like, I, I think it will be 4,607. No, I'm just messing with you. Okay. Uh, four, 400 rushing yards, Kevin. What do you think? Russell Wilson over under. Russell Wilson, 400 rushing yards. Um, So there is going to be a, a more, I guess, I wouldn't say designed runs, but uh, more boot action concepts in this offense, which could lead to more rushing yards. Uh, Russ, I'll, I'll say this. Russ had 513 last year, but I went way down because I felt like he was running a lot because of the 
like the running back injuries and Carson only had 680 yards. Like I thought it was kind of a weird. Yeah. in the previous two seasons, he hadn't topped it, but there is extra game. Yo, I'm going to say the extra game will put him over 500 on the rushing yards. All right. Eric, what do you think? I feel like, I feel like I'm alone on this. I don't know if I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm all alone. I'm under, I just don't see it. He is getting older. He is not as fast as he was. Yes. He is slimmer this year and he looks, he looks better than he has in a long time, but, I, I, Are you I'm, saying he's in the best shape of his life? That's I'm really, yeah. Look at pictures. I, you know, he's he's really standing out in camp. Yeah, I have under. All right, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett total receptions added together two hundred and five. Uh, oh wait, it's Eric's turn to go first. Eric, that's go that's that is so high. That is so lofty. Well, we wait, like wait. To... Before you say this, that's so lofty. How m- last year they had a what, a hundred and eighty-three plus? You add like a a little bit for the extra game, maybe like ten more. That's one hundred and ninety-three. That's still that. I feel like I've I've said this before, but I think this year is going to be a little more spread out. Like you're not going to see this huge passing attack. You're just going to have a balanced offense. Ideally, we're going to have a balanced offense throughout the entire year. I still think 205 is too much. I'm going under. All right. Dream killer. Sorry. Kevin. I'm going over. Uh, I think that the fact that I I think Lockett's going to get over 100 catches again. I just think that's his role in the offense at this point. And bringing in D. Eskridge kind of underlines that. Like Tyler Lockett somehow is the world's smallest possession receiver. And you know what? I'm here for it. I think DK's meteoric rise is something to keep in mind. And I think there's a decent chance his drop numbers decrease. And if his drop numbers decrease a little bit, then you're easily pushing that 200 catch total. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with over. I don't think it's going to have the second half decline either that we had last season. I, I, I really would struggle, would have struggled with that one, but that's why I decided not to make any of these picks this time. So, okay. Uh, I'm glad that you guys split, though, because it makes me feel like I, I made a good line. Uh, D, D. Eskridge, rushing yards, 125, Ooh. Kevin. Uh, I based that on Robert Woods' rushing yards, which are which have been between 100 and 150 since he came to L.A. I'm going to go over. I think D. Eskridge is a really interesting weapon. And, I could st- and the big thing is, I think Robert Woods is a really good receiver. I think D'Eskridge is a really good athlete, and I could see him breaking a couple long ones. So while I don't think his attempts will be higher, I could see him having multiple rushes over over 50 yards. Okay. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Eric, that's me. I am going over. Not a total dream killer. I also like that. Uh, I like the, the skill set that Eskridge brings, and frankly, it's it's not going to take him too many rushes to get up to, uh, to pass that number. All right. Uh, team... Rushing touchdowns, like the whole team, 16 and a half. Uh, wait, it's Kevin's turn to go first, right? Kevin, what do you think? Oh, 16 and a half rushing touchdowns. Um, for, the, for the whole team. The t- whole team, I think, had 14 last year. So it is kind of a, it's probably right on the line, I hope. I think it's pretty close to it. It's a pretty run heavy attack the way that things are set up in this offense and the big thing is again those kind of boot action plays with overloads would potentially lead to more russell wilson rushing touchdowns 
So I think it's going to be over. Eric, what do you think? I feel like it's safe to go under, but I also think that over... Here's the problem. I don't know if it's over, but I think 16 is the number. So I'm just going to go ahead and say over. Well, you could take, you could take, oh, so you're like, you think 16 or more. You're kind of leaning to. Correct. Yeah. Like you think the bigger part of the bell curve is on the. Yes. On and the, 16 uh, is, thank you. Right. 16 is, is the safe place. Like, well, I did say under, but no, I'll, I'll go ahead and say over. I think it's definitely possible. And I, I've said it before. I, I think this should be a big year for Chris Carson. And what way to have a bigger of the year than having, you know. 10, 11 touchdowns. All right. From week six on last year, the Seahawks led the NFL in sacks. Well, we're on defense now. That was a clear. <laughs> the, the team, the team total sacks 50 and a half. Eric, 50 and a half over or under uh, 50 and a half sacks. This is hard because you're going to have four, four guys with seven. Let's just That's call it four guys with eight. Okay. That's 32. 32. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have. Four guys of five, which is 20. 50, that's 52. Let's go over, guys. All Cody, right. Cody Barton's going to have 17. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't listen to me and Eric on the uh, field goals yet, where uh, Eric Eric loves Cody Barton. It's It came out. I was trying to like not, not show the hot girl that I liked her, but <laughs> it came out. That's right, Did Seahawks you... fans. Uh, Eric is rooting for more three linebacker sets. So no, he's uh, no, he's not. I think <laughs> actually that. the way on. Eric talked about him, I really think Eric wants him in that uh, in that outside linebacker role that they're Absolutely. kind of building in the bear front. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, Kevin, what do you think? Over or under fifty and a half? I'm taking a strong over here. I think a lot of Jaron Reed's. I think a lot of Jaron Reed's sacks last season were. Um, the result of cumulative pressure. So losing Jaron Reed, I don't think reduces the total sack number. I think we have somebody who can bend the edge in Daryl Taylor that we were missing last season. I think Jamal Adams will rush the passer less often because he won't need to as much because we're going to get more pressure out of a deeper defensive line rotation. So I'm going to go over. All right. Um, so you guys have said the same all overs for the last three. So let's see about this one. The team leader in sacks will be over or under 10 and a half. Kevin, what do you think? That's did I, did, tough. Did I... <laughs> I thought I lost you for a second, but really you were just stumped. I stumped. I was, yeah. I stumped the, what was, what's that game called? Stumped, stumped, the track. stumped the band. Stumped the band. I stumped him. Got him. Seahawks nest over under trivia. All right, sorry. Go it's on. A really specific Seattle Sports Radio <laughs> reference. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Man. All right. I'm going to go with under. When this defensive front is at its best, it's a lot of guys getting between six and 10 sacks. So I'm going to say under. I'm going to say we have multiple people with double digit sacks and no one with 12. No, it's, you have to get it. You lose if someone gets 11. Oh, 11. Dang, that makes it harder. Yeah, I'm still going to go under. I'm going. All right. We have like three dudes with 10 sacks. <laughs> okay. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I'm going under. I think the strength of this pass rush is in someone not getting a lot of sacks. Now, what's funny about this is that this is the second or third time today I've heard that they're going to rush less with Jamal Adams. I don't believe that. I really mm. don't. I, I think that's a load of fooey. And I'm sorry. I know we got young listeners. But. This is a team that knows what they have in Jamal Adams, and Jamal Adams is a decent coverage safety. 
He's a box safety, and that is how the Seahawks are going to use him. They're going to rush him plenty. I just think him getting home will uh, won't be as frequent because they're going to pick up on that, and that will leave the door open for the people they underestimate. Can I address that real awesome. quick? Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right, so I. Uh... According to PFF, he had 104 pass rush snaps in 12 games last season. So 104 pass rush snaps in 784 snaps. Um, Bobby Wagner had 107 pass rush snaps in 1,141 snaps. So that would mean over the course of 17 games, you're saying that Jamal Adams would rush the passer about 150 times. I think that's pretty unlikely. And we saw that. As the rest of the pass rush came together, we stopped relying on him as much. I, I really think it depends. It depends on how what the what the front seven of this offense or the the middle the middle nine guys end up looking like on the field. And like I could totally see a situation well, if he where he plays like weak side linebacker kind of. Yeah, where Jamal's playing like kind of like a like a hybrid weak side linebacker kind of thing, and it's it's it, the offense just kind of is molded around that. And yeah, I don't know it. I, it's hard to say for me because I just we just don't know what the final form of this defense is really going to look like. It's the same as the offense. Until we see it on the field, it's it's we're all just kind of guessing, right? Yeah, and, and so, seeing yeah. it with uh, um, Salil Moon Fry or whoever was playing safety in the preseason, yeah, didn't uh, didn't really give yeah, us so, that look. So I, I actually I thought about doing like a Jamal Adams pass rush snaps thing, but I couldn't come up with a number that I felt like was I I couldn't figure it out. I was like, because like I said, like I might I might. I, I could talk myself into both sides of it. And then I was like, well, what number do I put it at? And then I was like, I don't know. And I wanted to try to split you guys. So I, I just gave up DJ Reed passing yards allowed. DJ Reed will be the number one cornerback in this defense uh, this year. Last year, the number one cornerback in our defense uh, was Shaquille Griffin. And he gave up a little over 600 yards. So uh, DJ Reed, let's go with it. Passing yards allowed 600 yards. Uh, I think it's Eric's turn to go first. Oh, that's a lot to put on young DJ Reed. Mm. Screw it over. Over. All right. I don't, so- I don't have a lot of faith in this, the secondary and you know, some of this is optimism, but let's be honest. We, we don't know what DJ Reed's going to do for us. We don't know if he's going to be healthy. We don't know what we don't know. And I just 17 games got to go over. All right. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? I think that was a really good number to pick. I'm going to go under and I'm going to go under for a really depressing reason, which is I think the uncertainty and play level across from him will just make for more viable targets. So DJ Reed is going to go under because they can throw away from him with impunity. All right. Uh, how about uh, Jordan Brooks run stops, Kevin 40. Ooh, 40 run stops. Yeah, that's a, um, I think KJ last year had like 44. Yeah, 42. Oh, that's a okay, big yeah. number. So so 40 would be he'd be picking up where KJ left off plus he has an extra game. So that's kind of that's kind of do you think he will k- k- take do you think he will take up the the KJ Wright run stopping mantle? Yeah, and that's the thing is like KJ Wright when healthy was a 40 run stop machine. So I'm going to go under not by i don't think by a lot but it doesn't matter if it's by a lot or not i'm gonna go under 40 run stops is a lot all right eric what do you think i too am going under but i need to to plant my flag in the in the jordan brooks camp of i'm a believer this guy this guy should have a great great season and uh over his high but so so i'm going under but not because i don't think he's not capable 
Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm going to switch to over then. Uh, just to get just, further onto that, onto the Brooks I, corner I thought, than, I actually, uh, than Eric. I, I just actually want thought, to be on the record that I'm a bigger Jordan Brooks fan than Eric is. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I, I, think, I actually thought Eric was going to pick. Shirt? I actually thought Eric was going to pick over for that almost the same reason where he was just going to be like, eh, I, I don't know if it'll be over 40, but I want to be on Team Jordan Brooks. Kevin just like <laughs> came in there and stole the corner. All right. Bobby Wagner tackles. Ready for this one? Over under 150. Woof. Uh, last year, he had in his career, his last five years, 167, 133, 138, 159, 138. He has an extra game. So that's like an extra 10 tackles already right there. So that's going to put him, let's put all those seasons very close to 150. So uh, who's first this time? Is it Kevin? Kevin. Kevin. Uh, what do you think? I'm going to go over. Dude's a tackle machine. Tackle machine. I mean, it's just a lot of tackles, and like I was and thinking, also that bare front kind of plays into it. One thing I was thinking about when I was making that line too is I was like, man, this guy just gets all the tackles. It's like yeah. amazing. All right, Eric, what do you think? Man, immediately I was like, seventeen games over. Will he have to with all the talent we have? If I'm if I'm really in the Jordan Brooks camp, if I really am a bigger fan than Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> no, I that's ah, that's really rough because by me I thought it was over. And then I'm like, well, wait a second. We're going to have all these, you know, we're just going to have backup. You know what? Ah, under. Going under. Eric's going under because he thinks Cody Barton's going to take Bobby Wagner's job this season. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thank let's you. do it. All right. So let's um go ahead and you thought that that, so that was five defensive, five offense. You thought it was over, but it's not. Of course, all three phases of the game matter. So yeah. we have to do two more. Um, Eric, start us off. Longest field goal this year, Jason Myers, over or under 57 and a half yards. Let's go over. I want that big five eight. You want that big boom? You want the booming kick like last year? Six what yeah, sixty one yarder? I last think year? it's I think it's likely and possible. All right, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, you know, for his career, he's a really consistently good fifty plus yard kicker. Uh, on the other hand, I don't know what his kicks over fifty look like because I just turn away from the screen every time he kicks. So, for all I know, they must all be directly down the middle and with like ten yards to spare. So I'm going over. All right, uh, last year, Michael Dixon was second in the league with a 49.6-yard punt average. Uh, Buffalo's kick uh, punter, Corey Bajor, I don't can't say that name, yes. was, was over 50. This year, Dixon's punt average over under 50 yards, Kevin. What do you think? I'm going over because I think he reined it in a little bit for uh for the coverage team and i think our coverage unit is getting faster every year uh i think he's gonna i think he's gonna go ahead and uh just unleash the boot punt hub all the way all right eric what do you think uh, i'm gonna go under because sometimes we have to you know play the field um geez i, I have and no every and every time pete Punts from the 35, that kills the average. I, I didn't know how to say that. I didn't know how to say that, you know, sometimes when we're just out of field goal range suck. and Pete doesn't want to go for it. So I'm not also, lying. Like, that does kill his we, average. It's fun if we disagree. 49.6 last season. This is not that much different. It's it's not a, an, an indicator on how Michael Dixon isn't very good or isn't good enough. It's that sometimes our coach makes decisions that require discussion. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. All right. <laughs> Thank so you, Senator Ronnebeck. 
There's our 12 uh, <laughs> predictions. You guys differed on uh, all but five of them. So seven, seven out of 12 differences, which means I feel like I did an okay job. Because uh, my job was to try to get you guys to split. And uh, I think the one that I'm most mad you guys didn't split on is the uh, the rushing touchdowns. I felt like I I could have uh, could have laid a better trap there. I, I, I had 18 and a half as my original line, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to lower it a little bit because that is so aggressive. And then you guys both went over, so maybe I should have uh, stuck with I it. will say that we did go over for different reasons, so yeah, that does make it kind of interesting. So. True. All right, so uh, that's that's that. Let's get on to it. Now, the Seahawks have a game this week. They play a real foot football game. You guys ready? Are you guys ready for some football? Two more sleeps till the first game of the NFL regular season. It's so exciting. I'm going to uh, have to fire up the uh, all my rowdy friends on my on my Apple Play. Well, this year, <laughs> right here, the, the Seahawks are taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'm going to give you some Indianapolis Colts facts right here. Just a few things about the Colts from this year to last year. Uh, they Last year, they were led by the corpse of Phillips, Philip Rivers. This year, they will be led by the... Uh, corpse of Carson Wentz. <laughs> I don't know how big a difference that's going to make. But one thing is listening to, I listened to uh, um, Brandon from the Seahawkers. He went on with the Colts. Uh, I talked to, talked to the Colts guys. And they are really worried about how uh, COVID might affect their team because they're like, they're one of the lowest vaccinated rate teams. And I just want to say, it's very comforting to know that my football team's not going to lose because, because of that. Like it's, I know that like some, uh, some people are probably thinking it's hot, but it's such a competitive advantage that that we have that we're not we just don't really have to worry about it. So that if you're a chucklehead who brings your girlfriend in wearing Seahawks gear to the hotel, you just get the, booted the, off the team. They kicked him right <laughs> off the team. I mean, it's it's classic Pete Carroll stuff, though. Protect the team, right? This mm-hmm. is one way the team can protect themselves uh, from at least the from the rules. You know what I mean? Like the rules now are basically yeah, it's a massive competitive in our, advantage like you said in our favor so the, yeah they can lose almost their whole offensive line in one in one go because if they they yeah, they, they just got their center back contact contact tracing like if they if if they're all in the same room and then it happens they just lose everyone so it could be could be wild times for uh for the colts and uh honestly though i look at this roster and i i think it's good but not great the, our offense I think matches up pretty good with this defense. Their offense is pretty strong, but I do like the matchup there too. So let's just talk about this. Uh, starting with Eric, uh, what do you see as the strength of this uh, Indianapolis Colts offense? Uh, the running game, because it sure as heck is not going to be the passing game behind Carson Wentz. Uh, they've you're not a big Zach Pascal fan. Oh man, Zach Pascal, he's Mike, fast, right? I like Michael Pittman, Pittman Jr. A I don't, bit, I right? don't dislike this team at all. I think if you put uh, name if if you put Justin Fields on this team, uh, is that his name? The Bears quarterback Josh mm-hmm. is John Josh Justin. Justin. Anyway, thank you. Glad I, glad I got there the first time and then doubted myself. Uh, if you put Justin Fields on this team and gave him until week four or five to get in, I think you're looking at like a, an exciting team, an oh wow team, and oh they just missed the playoffs. But wow, wait till next year. <clears throat> Something that is you know kind of where the Browns are, but I don't like the Browns. I couldn't really like any of their, I don't like a lot of their players. I like this Colts team. I have just never liked Carson Wentz. I feel like he's a huge pretender. Anytime, like I was on that Eagles podcast, I had to hear how oh Carson Wentz just, he hasn't had the weapons and he hasn't had this. And it was like, yeah, growing up watching the Seahawks, I heard the same crap with Rick Meyer. Um, 
I, I heard it. I've heard it all with, with Kevin Ouch, the Rick Meyer call. I, hey man, I am, Brutal. I am, I am old and, uh, not, not too old, but, uh, old enough to tell you that I know, uh, a bad quarterback and I know hometown love for that bad quarterback for no reason. I mean, what uh, do you think, uh, his career record is? Do you guys have a guess? He's played it. He's appeared in 68 games. So this will be his 69th game in, in, in his career. Nice. Nice. Is he like something like thirty-two wins, or is he something gross like forty-two wins? No, I think he's doing. Our, I think he's doing pretty good. It's like, high, like he's a couple games over five hundred with a tie. He's thirty-five, thirty-two, and one. Okay, yeah. so he's he's basically five hundred. Yeah, um, yeah. and he I, went I, eleven and, and he went eleven and two in the Super Bowl season too, which is like really dragging up the average. The old Kyle Shanahan method. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I I think that the the running game on the offensive side of the wall is where they're going to strike and. I don't know how good our run defense is going to be. I I think this could be a good turnover game for us where we will see one or two turnovers, mostly caused by the passing game. But I, I think so, their strength is in their running here. So your ma- so the matchup you're watching for is Jonathan Taylor against the middle of our defense, Bobby, uh, J- Jamal, and uh, and Jordan, and seeing how, how do we stand up to a, to a physical runner like Jonathan Taylor? A physical runner, and let's face it, they also have other other people where they can use misdirection. I do think there will be some coaching, uh, some coaching runs, as I call them, to try and uh, you know get us off our feet so they can get an extra five yards. I think you're going to see that, and I think it's going to frustrate us. Kevin, do you do you agree the primary the primary uh, uh, matchup to watch here is Taylor versus the center of our defense? I think there's a second thing to take a look at. Um, I I do think that the their offensive line and running back combination is really interesting. The other thing though is the combination of Doyle and Moali Cox at tight end on against a Seattle team that has at many points in time struggled to cover tight ends. Um, that could be really interesting because their wide receivers. I I like Michael Pittman Jr. I don't think he's a number one wide receiver. Uh, I'm really impressed that Zach Pascal manages to have an NFL career while taking breaks in between shooting the Mandalorian. But I don't think that that is going to make a number two receiver in an offense. Paris Campbell is I need, nothing. I need, dro- I need drop buttons so I can boo jokes like that. Uh, the um, <laughs> the, 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 the like thing, him. the thing, okay, Mo Cox. Have you seen the size of this guy? That's that's it. That's all I got. He's so big. And he had games where he took over. But the whole thing is, and I mean, Kylan Granson, too, is another kind of one of those move tight end guys. And so I could see them putting together a scheme where those guys will be a big part of the passing game. But what does a healthy Jamal Adams do against that? You know, what does having someone as quick as Jordan Brooks as a coverage linebacker do against that? So it's going to be really interesting to see. But I. I, I'm intrigued to see how we handle what could be a really tight end focused passing attack. Yeah, I think both of those are great insights, guys. The the running the way that their running game is going to match up with our front seven it will be very telling early, like how the game's going to go. Right? If Jonathan Taylor is able to get going, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, that's going to uh, be for, like for really and painful. The, and the, and then you're right. The, an Achilles heel of this defense has been the tight end con- consistently uh, attacking us. And so if they can get those guys going, it could be uh, also along the, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's great analysis guys. And I don't really have much to add for it, add to it, except for I um, am interested to see, yeah, this wide receiver group for Indianapolis looks as bad as anything Carson Wentz has dealt with in when, in, during his time in Philadelphia. And so I'm, cu- I'm curious to see like, it, it was at the offensive line, right? Car, like Carson Wentz played behind a pretty bad offensive line last year, but he's also a statue, right? He He's not yeah. going anywhere. And and Carson Wentz, 
if he picks up five, six sacks in this game because his wide receivers can't get open, does he get frustrated? Does he start to make those 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 risky throws? And so I think that the key right when their offense is on the field for us is the, the defense needs to get the pass rush going and, yeah. and get Carson Wentz uh, flustered and off his spots because when he is, he is pressured, when he's off his spot, he is not good. He's a bad football player. And so uh, not even like an average, he's bad. He's straight up one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And so get him off his spot, make him, make him move, make him, make him miserable. That's, that's what you got to do. So, all right, that's, that's uh, the offense. That's our their offense versus our defense. Now we got to get our de- our offense versus their defense. Their defense is headlined by players like DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, and uh, and Julian Blackman. Kevin, what do you see as the uh, the key matchup? Or the key the key when our, their defense is on the field against our offense. So, do I want the key for us doing well or the key for them stopping us? Because I think those are two very different things. Why don't you just give us like the the matchup that you're most looking at to kind of decide the game, like the like the areas of the field. Okay, will whatever the heck is happening at center get absolutely ruined by DeForest Butt during Pay <laughs> on stunts? Because if that is the case, that is going to be equal parts depressing and terrible. Okay. Um, will the interior of our offensive line that might very well be dragging its own corpse? Uh, yeah, I, I like Gabe Jackson a lot. I think getting away from Tom Cable could be a return to form. I like Damian Lewis. You all know how I feel about him. But our center situation is um, maybe ugly at best. And so I genuinely worry about what that's going to look like. And DeForest Buckner is the kind of guy who's a top five interior defensive lineman, top three interior pass rusher. Quiddy Pay flashed a lot of ability in the preseason. I worry about what that's going to mean. That's really thin as far as guys who can actually get to the quarterback but they're two guys who can absolutely dominate on snaps. And so if we can't do anything to stop that, it's going to be a big problem because the other part of it is the interior of our offensive line is going to be responsible for those inside zone runs that are presumably a big part of this offense. Yeah. And Quiddy, Quiddy Pies, uh, his, his, uh, rookie of the year odds have been just like plummeting since the, since the preseason. I mean, he went from, I think like, plus i don't know what it was it was like plus uh 1800 or something now he's down to plus 1200 he's been as low as plus 800 so yeah he's michigan definitely... freak athlete d-line prospects and not producing in college but producing the nfl name a better comment i think i think if it, what micah parsons didn't exist he would be the favorite like yeah. he he he's a micah parsons just freak athlete and gonna get a million tackles all right eric when our offense is in the field what are you looking for <clears throat> finishing that gulp of water because I didn't expect you to go that fast. <laughs> um, I should have corpsed for a minute. My bad. Let's face it. We've got we've got three things to look for on the offense. One, Russell Wilson. He is very good and we love him. And some people surmise that this is going to be his last year as a Seahawk. Let's not talk about that. Let's just look at what we have in him now. And that's just an, the best franchise quarterback we've ever had. Very exciting. Then we have the running game which is going to be anchored by Chris Carson. Chris Carson is coming off incomplete years, but he just signed a big deal. And I personally am expecting a very good year from Chris Carson. The third aspect that we have, and I'm not talking our our tight end, it's the new offensive scheme. Now, I don't think we've seen the true offense in the preseason. Besides, we haven't really had anyone to, <laughs> to truly run it out there outside of Geno Smith. Uh, this is a really exciting time as a Seahawk fan. 
this this four day period, five day period before the game, because this is where we don't know anything that we're going to see. Now, yeah, as Kevin said, we need to look for the offensive line. Are they going to get blowed up? I will be very disappointed because that's going to hamper any offensive threat we have, any offensive rhythm that we can make throughout the season. But if we can just keep Russ protected for three seconds, which believe me, I think in the off season when Russ's agent was, you know, saying all these trade rumors or, or putting feelers out there and, and, you know, making Seahawks management angry. Russ said he and Pete came to an understanding and everything's fine. And Pete said they're fine. But if you think that they didn't have a conversation of, Hey, Russ, one, don't take this to the media Two, What more do you want? No one holds onto the ball longer than you. And what would you like us to do this? Okay. We're going to do these things for you. We've done them. You need to do your part. You need to get better. And Russ is always about excellence. So I think you're going to see a a less handsy on the ball, Russ Wilson. I think he's going to be able to dump it more. I think this team will get back to a true balance of running and passing and not in the Pete Carroll way of just, you know, run, run, pass, kick, run, run, pass, kick. I think you're going to see some cool offense there. Uh, I'm excited to see how this new offense works in real NFL games. Sorry so, for the long-winded answer. Yeah, and no, that was good. And for me, yeah, the th- and I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Like you guys are, you guys are killing it today. You're making my job real easy, where I don't even have to do any hard analysis or anything. But I, my biggest thing I'm watching for is the which what the offense looks like, man. Like, what is this offensive scheme really? I do not feel like we have seen what what this offense is going to be. Uh, we know they're gonna. We've heard they're gonna play up tempo, but I do think that this, that scheme can help people not get sacked. And I'm going to give you a player that's a specific example. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a statue. He can't run. He generally plays behind pretty good offensive lines. But the reason he doesn't get sacked is Tom Brady. Okay? Tom Brady dumps it off to the running back. The scheme is built around being able to make it so that he cannot get sacked. This scheme is very not getting sacked friendly because... Russell Wilson's going to be rolling out, rolling out to his right, where he's he has room. He's going to be running some uh, some option read plays. He's going to be doing some stuff. They're, the they're going to be there's going to be a lot of misdirection, which is going to pull people out out of his uh out of his way. And I just really think that what this offense looks like is going to be is the most it's the key to this season, right? When we unlock this season, this is this is what we're looking for. We're looking for the the key is can Russ and and Waldron and Pete, can they put together an offense that looks different? That it that really brings the Seahawks into the modern NFL era. And if they, I'm really excited to see it because I really think this is it. They, Shane Waldron ha, could have had a lot of jobs. The, the this is not like he had to take this job. He could have gone any number of places, but Waldron picked Seattle for for two reasons. One. He wanted to work with Russ. I mean, he got wanted to work with one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. Great thinking. That's a good idea if you're an offensive coordinator, <laughs> especially if you have aspirations of being a head 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 coach. Yeah, I mean, the team he just came from <laughs> traded a whole bunch for like a fringe top ten guy, and yeah. he just gets to walk into a top five guy. Yeah. And I think the second reason though is he I, he had to have talked to Pete and and said like, is this going to be my offense or am I going to have are we going to have a power struggle like you seem to have with because that's as much as NFL. Uh, coordinators are interviewing for jobs when they're in the room. They're also interviewing the team to see, make sure it's a good fit. Right. And we've seen this in the past, Josh McDaniels go into a team and, and 
interview there and say, you know what, this is not it for me. I'm coming back. I'm not going to take this job, right? We've seen coordinators going for head coaching jobs or or even QB coaches going for coordinator jobs decide that it's not a good fit and that they don't want to go in there. It, if he didn't have the keys to the kingdom, I do not think he would have come. I, do, I think Waldron's star is on the rise and he would never have put himself in a situation where he's going to have to do a bunch of boring runs and run a, a really vanilla offense and blow blow up the whole clock like our whole our whole offense seems to be in the past seems to be based on like lowering the amount of total plays in the football game and like Waldron ain't gonna do that okay that's just not gonna happen so yeah I'm excited I'm really excited for uh for what's what 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 could happen this weekend and I want to see I want to see the Seahawks attack man I want to see the Seahawks offense attack this I think pretty good defense you know can i piggyback on the points you two just made about the passing game because i think there's something really interesting there go for it um so what is the one part of the passing game that has uh basically failed to be unlocked russ's entire time here nathan um i don't know just like intermediate like crossing routes uh passes over the middle exactly it's like it's almost a running gag at this point and so if you look at some of the stuff happening in the preseason a lot of times that we were getting three and four wide and we were having uh slot receivers break in on like slants and drag routes. And those are the types of routes that are really popular in this offense that would kind of unlock that part of Russ's game. What's going to be interesting is Kenny Moore is probably their best corner and he's their slot corner. And Darius Leonard is one of the better coverage linebackers. The dude's like arms are crazy long. Like it just his overall length is is insane, and so Darius Leonard and Kenny Moore create a really challenging interior to pass against. If that part of our offense can get going in some way, shape, or form in this game, I think that's a really good sign moving forward because this is going to be one of the harder teams to do that against. On the outside, like Xavier Rhodes had a really good resurgent season, but I mean if. I don't think any of us are going to think that DK is not a matchup nightmare for him. Like DK is a matchup nightmare for anybody. And TJ Carey has played well in Indy, but I think we know that at this point, the the connection that Lockett and Russ have, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter who's covering. Their cornerback situation is kind of, I feel like a slightly better version of ours where they have a bunch of like, we have a bunch, we have a bunch of like, we have a bunch of C plus and I think they have a bunch of B minus like, and, and like, That's yeah, there it's, it's, it's slightly better than ours. I'm not going to lie, but I don't think it's a, I don't, they don't have like a stud cornerback that I'm just like, Oh geez, can't throw at that guy. You know, that's that, right. That's not what that, what's going on with, uh, with and the, for that reason, I think we can beat them outside. I'm not worried about that, but if we can beat them in the middle, which I think is where they're a pretty good test of your offense. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch that moving forward could be a really good sign. Yeah. All right. So, so we're, we got our matchups now. Now we have to make our picks. It's picks time, boys. What do you, what do you think? Uh, Eric, start us off. What's your pick for, for uh, tomorrow's game? This or for is tomorrow home. for, for <laughs> Sunday's game. So well, someone, someone's watching and listening on Saturday. Uh, Indianapolis so. favored by half a point, by the way, Eric. Oh, that makes me angry. You know, Lucas Oil Field is a really interesting looking stadium and really cool looking. I'd like to go there someday, but I'm just not a traveling football fan. Uh, getting that out of the way, I think the Seahawks win. I think we win convincingly. I'm going to say 27 to 14 off the strength of two turnovers. 
All right, Kevin, what do you think? We don't win things convincingly. We win things at the last minute, and then we <laughs> hate ourselves. I have the Seahawks it, offense. Uh, so last season, Andy averaged 22 points per game allowed, but they allowed a significantly higher amount of passing yardage. And we're the type of offense that could take advantage of that, much like Tennessee did for 45 points, Green Bay did for 31 points. So I think we're going to score a good bit on them, but I think we're going to give up a couple of really rough scores. I have Seahawks 31, Indy 24. All right. I think like Eric, this is the year the butthole loosens. I'm ready. I'm ready to have, <laughs> to have a loose. I'm ready to have a loose butthole. Uh, well, welcome uh, the first official Seahawks podcast T-shirt coming your way. Uh, I'm so, so glad that we've gone full workaholics on this podcast. <laughs> I've done my job. Uh, I think Seahawks win this one, thirty to twenty-one, and uh, I think that it's just. It says a lot that that feels like a comfortable win. <laughs> nine, nine points, dude. That's two scores. Oh man, two oh, man, scores. I don't know what to do with that. That's an embarrassment of riches. Oh yeah. So all right, there that's are many. The thing, those uh, hold on. That's the thing. We're we're all kind of going the same way. I'm going with my optimism of we're gonna kick it together this year. Nathan says, you know, oh this is this is a year where we uh, well I won't say what he said because I don't speak like that, but we really do it. And Kevin is like, this is still a Seahawks football team, but we're going to win. So uh, I, I I respect all our answers, and I think it's really telling of what what this team has done to us over the last ten years. Thank you, all Congressman. Right. First, first podcast of the uh, of the new of the new season. Uh, I want to. There are many ways to support the CSNS podcast. The best way to do so: head over to punthub.us, click anywhere on your screen for as little as a dollar twenty four a month. Uh, get access to our Patreon Picks podcast coming to you all season. Uh, I want to thank our four newest Patreons: Trevor, Charles, David, and Josh. Uh, all within the last week or two uh, week, actually, come join in, join in the the squad, getting in the Discord, uh, talking some trash. The Pick, here's the thing: Pick'em League is up uh, in fantasy. Uh, if you check, there's a password because the, that's the way Yahoo works. Um, the, uh, so the winner, the winner of the Pick'em League, you know, last year they got to come on the show and do our Super Bowl bets podcast with us, Back. which is a which is a blast. And uh, the Here's the thing, guys. Uh, because of your generous contributions to the show today, I was able to uh, purchase some new audio software that hopefully will make it so that you don't have to worry about the levels anymore. I've heard, I've heard your cries. The levels are not your favorite, but I'm, I'm aware, and I've been aware for a long time. But it's, um, since we've gone remote, it has. I'm not the best audio engineer. When we were in person, it was easy. I knew what to do, but I, I was not as a, I'm not as a competent at the, uh, the distance audio engineering. But I think. That this program will help. If it doesn't, uh, just yell at me on in the Discord. That's uh, that's where I want to be yelled at. So, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that. You know, the Picks Podcast. If this you've never best, heard, you? if you've never heard the Picks Podcast, um, wow, you are you need to you are missing out on uh, quite quite the treat. It's uh, it's a, a real thing. Traditional, unlike any other. Um, if you ever heard the uh, the fastest five minutes on a uh, PMT, it's kind of like our homage to that in the uh but, but leaning into the schwam side of the uh of the of the show um and i just want to people that have never ever one, spoken like this outside of that podcast one more thing okay one more thing uh we i i invited everyone i said hey i want to do ads for you guys i want to do an ad about some product you guys care about something you care about oh, we have we our get one we have our first advertisement yes. starting next week this is a teaser 
for an advertisement, but I'm excited Ooh. about it. Uh, me and Eric have been in, a, in the lab a little bit thinking about how we're going to approach this advertisement in a way that is both uh, funny and fun. And I think that we've got an angle to work. So I'm uh, I'm excited about it. Next week, we'll be premiering uh, the Seahawks Nests. Uh, this is our first ever advertiser ever. So I'm like really pumped about it. This person will always know that this this podcast, they planted their flag first. They were the one that got the first. They bought... We're going to have the first, first, four on the corner. The first four weeks of the season. We're going to run this ad, these ads. And it's going to be a series. I'm so excited about it. Thank you to all the Patreon supporters. Andy, Bretta, Bretta, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Bob, Casey, Charles, David, Floctimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, uh, Brandon, and Nick. And also one more per, uh, person we have to thank. New music. I know you guys heard it at the top. I miss my ripoff version of Paid in Full, but it's at the end of the podcast now, so you don't have to you don't have to forget about it. But Joel, Joel made us a new a new song, and um, I just really yeah, much appreciate, appreciate you, Joel. Awesome. Uh, pound the rock, baby, let's go. Okay, now it's time for movie club. Uh, movie club this week uh, is brought to you by Kevin and Eric. I'm going to step away because I did not watch the movie, and actually, I want to watch it after hearing their short time talking about it and in our uh, in our private channel so i'm going to completely step away and let these guys talk to you for about 10 minutes about uh, a movie that sounds like just kind of a blast uh take it away boys bake them bake them away toys (laughs) Uh, do what the boy said all right so this is one of those movies where uh it shouldn't be good but then you watch it and you're like wow this is really fun so streets of fire is a uh 1984 it's a walter hill movie who's one of those guys where you might not immediately catch the name and then it's like oh that's the guy who did 48 hours and brewster's millions oh wow so i didn't look the warriors and last man standing yes so this is a guy who's done like a bunch of kind of quirky weird interesting southern comfort he did the driver, the uh, late seventies movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you ever played the driver video game for PS one and wonder why the first level was incredibly frustrating, go watch the movie The Driver, because um, it's a direct homage. So uh, Walter Hill makes like oddly interesting um, niche movies. And so, what would you say this is a pseudo fifties greaser dystopia? <laughs> I wouldn't say dystopia. You had me until you said dystopia. I would say. Uh, it's I mean, like, the gang, the gang violence is rife. It's and like they literally Greece. took over an entire section of the city. Yeah, it's it's evil Greece. It's <laughs> it's uh, the Dark Knight Rises meets Greece. Yeah, because Willem Dafoe meets West Side Story. Uh, yeah, right. Willem Dafoe plays uh, Raven Shaddock, Raven which Shattuck. is an incredibly dumb name, which I love, who is the leader of a bicycle of a motorcycle game. <laughs> Sorry, not a, not a bicycle game. That'd be even better. That, that'd be me. Uh, so, right. And so the, the movie opens up with Diane Lane and her rock band uh, just kind of uh, jamming at a, I guess, very industrial venue. Yeah, it's, and, it's the place to be, though. It's like the it's the place where everyone goes. It is. And you would know that because Rick Moranis, who plays a giant dick in this movie, is complaining about the fact that they did it for charity. Yes. He plays a guy named Billy Fish. And I feel like the name just kind of encapsulate the character. It's perfect. Yes. <laughs> also, when you see it, you're like, Rick Moranis is in this. That's crazy. Yes, it's awesome. And so uh, the venue, though, the uh, concert is unfortunately cut short 
when Diane Lane is kidnapped by Willem Dafoe as the uh, motorcycle game um, raids the concert. Yes. And I feel like that hot open kind of just summarizes the whole movie. Yeah, because these guys can do whatever they want. And Willem Dafoe's character, Raven Paddock, is... I don't, he's not scary, but he is... I mean, it's Willem Dafoe. And, and we all know uh, Willem Dafoe's a very good actor. And so if you what, ever wanted to see him trying out his Green Goblin face, this is the movie it happened in. That's a fact. Uh, <laughs> but this is... It's it's believable. What Willem Dafoe does oh, yeah. with this character that is over the top enough, he keeps it grounded and he makes it... Uh, it makes it believable and frankly, it makes the movie enjoyable because without Willem Dafoe to kind of ground it in its silliness and its over the topness. Uh, and it's not like any of the dialogue or is over the top, but just certain things happen in the movie. You're like, what the hell is this about? This wouldn't happen. It all becomes believable because of Dafoe's uh, portrayal of Raven. In this movie. Yeah, uh, this is like um, this is uh, shortly before like Platoon. Uh, to give you an idea of where we're at in the uh, the Willem Dafoe uh, rise to, I guess, uh, rise to what he's known yeah. for now. Yeah, rise to prominence. And so it's kind of cool because he's like he's clearly playing a character. I would say the worst acting performance is the main character. <laughs> OK, so that is <laughs> I was I'm so glad you set this up. Uh, the main character, the hero in this is played by Ma- Michael Perret. Which, if you are an 80s kid like myself, <laughs> you will remember from the show, um, uh, I'm sorry, from the movies Eddie and the Cruisers. <laughs> now, when I was six years old, I thought Eddie and the Cruisers is the coolest movie ever because I didn't <laughs> I didn't know anything about movies. And Michael Perret is a handsome guy. And outside the 80s, you're like, what happened to Michael Perret? Did he die? No, Michael Perret is very good looking and delivers every line like like it's like he's a cardboard box he's such a bad actor god god bless him uh he he's almost like he's trying to sound like sylvester stallone but on purpose uh the whole thing like he's trying yes he's trying to sound like somebody who's trying to sound tough yes like he's a parody of a parody and so the the worst part is having like rick moranis playing like a jerk and Amy Madigan's in this, uh, who yeah. you'll know from the 80s. Uh, she was in uh, Field, <laughs> Field of Dreams, yeah, Uncle Field Buck. Field of Dreams, Uncle Buck. Uh, Amy Madigan's great, and she plays uh, a, like, what, an army transport person who is out of work and looking to pick up, uh, she's pick up like odd a, jobs. She's a military drifter. Yeah, that's yes, the best exactly. way I could describe her. And then, like, there's Defoe, there's Diane Lane, there's, uh, like, legitimate... the cops. Yes, and the cops are, like, when you see it, like, Lee Ving is in here, who I always think of as Mr. Bobby from the Clue movie, and that always (laughs) makes me happy. He plays uh, Willem Defoe's like, number two. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's uh, a guy with a really accomplished musical career, but I always think of that. He was was in Fear, the the band Fear. Um, But anyway, I... So you have all these people that are doing really good stuff. Uh, his sister, uh, Deborah Van Valkenburg, who, again, she's one of those people where you'll see and you'll be like, oh, yeah, her. She's been in some stuff. And she does like a nice job in a small role. Bill Paxton has a cup of coffee in this oh, movie. Oh, yes. Yes, he does. This He plays like the the uh, like simpleton the bartender. bartender. Simpleton bartender. <laughs> Creepy um, bartender. 
what what would you say um or what are some things you like about this movie what i love about this movie is uh, why have a plot when you can just have a lot of style so this movie good, begs that question and answers that question um, and i i agree with you it's got it in the lighting because when you when they're in the club it's a different set piece than backstage at the club yep. and it's a different set piece than the city which i'm pretty sure is not shot on location i believe it was just a giant set or pieces of sets on like a hollywood lot it would sure um, seem that way it's the Go on, Kevin. I, I I agree with you there. The style is something else. The other thing. So um, my elevator pitch to Nathan, I probably should open with this. It's like if people with a budget and more movie experience made their own version of Miami Connection. Oh, yes. Because it has these like kind of like wailing rock interludes. There's also a uh, like a Motown band that ends up making an appearance that's and all the music in here is legitimately pretty decent. Oh, I added the soundtrack to my, to my playlist immediately after watching it <laughs> like a month ago. I was like, you know what? I like some of these songs. I'm going for it. Yeah. I didn't realize Ed Bagley jr. Was in here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he is you learn a new thing every day. Uh, so like, and so it, it has all the charm of this like B movie weird, like project, but then, everything's executed well enough that you're like, you know what? This movie's actually pretty good. And then uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a solid 90 minutes. No. And I, I don't want to give too much away, but my favorite part of the movie is right before the sledgehammer battle. Cause that's a thing. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. And that's how the movie kind of <laughs> culminates a climactic into a, sledgehammer a climactic fight. sledgehammer fight. The shot of uh Raven, basically threatening the cops, showing his muscle, flexing, flexing his muscle in front of the cops. Uh, where he oh, just, when he calls in the gang, he calls in the gang. I will say that that was like, that was the payoff for the whole movie. Not, the, <laughs> not the fight with the fire and the rain, uh, where, <laughs> where Michael Perret is like, you know, it was a use a bazooka or just like an M 16 to take out bikers. It's, it's absurd. No, it's this end piece where Willem Dafoe just kind of like, says, hey, I brought I brought my group too. And it just seems like this daunting army of bikers. And for about five seconds, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then it goes back to the sledgehammer fight. Yes. And the sledgehammer fight's delightful in its own way. Um, my favorite thing is when every is like the 36 times in the movie where everything gets set up perfectly. And then Michael Pere delivers the most vanilla and mayonnaise sandwich, <laughs> uh, one liner to finish the situation possible. So, uh, I, I think in my review, it was Michael Pere does a great job of being the personality list, uh, main character in a video game that you're supposed to be inhabiting. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who just skipped through all the cutscenes to finish the game. Yeah. That's Michael Pere. Yeah, God, well, God rest us. God, God bless his heart. Yeah, no, it's and and I say all this with lots of love. Like this is a movie I gave a three out of five. It is an above average movie, but it is a well above average 90 minute watching experience. I agree. Uh, Nathan, are you uh, are you totally tuned out? Did you fall asleep? Are you watching the Sledgehammer fight right now? I died. Actually, while you guys are talking, I'm, <laughs> I am now resurrected uh, better than I was before. Do you want me, do you want to hear a uh, uh, let? letterboxed uh information about 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 this movie information from from other other what what, what, what do i other reviewers other uh uh, reviewers can 
I have, I, I had it bookmarked, but now I just lost the page. Oh my gosh, it's so, so stupid. <laughs> Can you please tell me the name of the movie again? It is Streets <laughs> of Fire. <laughs> okay. Uh, my favorite was, I think I liked it. Still not sure. The, so, okay. That so was from me. Someone put, Will, Willem Dafoe is the best. Um, that, that's, that's accurate. That's, that's pretty... Uh, that's pretty funny. So, um, a ridiculously enjoyable rock fable video game with a cast to die for. What, what do you think about that? That's pretty fair, Accurate. actually. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people love this movie, like quite quite a lot. And I think like they all admit that it. This has Streets of Fire is a pretty aw- awful film. The dialogue is atrocious. The second half is a tedious drag. And while some of the tunes are legitimately great, they feel more gimmicky filler, supposed to integrate part integral part of the film. But it's big, dumb, kitschy fun. Yep. It's a B movie that was given Accurate. AAA production values for some reason. <laughs> so yes, so, exactly. So, so it's kind of like Big Trouble in Little China, then, where it's like, uh, yeah, it's it was tra- I mean, it's from the same director as The Warriors, a neo noir rock musical. Accurate. <laughs> Very close. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, um, all right. I feel like it was set in the same whatever time period that the Batman yeah. the animated series was set in. I don't want to read any more about it because I don't want anything to get swell for me because I think I'm going to think this movie is really funny. <laughs> yes. So, <clears throat> all right. Uh, Just for, the main actor sucks is all. <laughs> for like the dialogue sounds pretty bad. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, it's especially bad because it's Michael Parade delivering it. <laughs> That's and and being surrounded by Bill Paxton, Willem Dafoe, Rick Moranis, and Diane Lane is probably going to make him look worse too. It Absolutely sure does. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for Eric, for Kevin, we will uh, see you next week. Go Hawks.